What's up, guys? Welcome back to Two Broads Mini Pods. Today, I am your host, Kayla. Hi, how are you? And for those of you who don't know what Two Broads is and you don't know what a mini pod is, um, I am one of the Two Broads on Two Broads, which is a bi-weekly podcast. And mini pods, pretty self-explanatory. It's literally a miniature version of a regular podcast episode um, that we try to do every other week. As always, shameless plug, um, our Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube is all two broads, T-O-O-B-R-O-A-D-S. We mainly use Instagram and TikTok, um, but follow us if you want updates, sneak peeks, promos, behind the scenes content, all that good stuff um so since it's still october spooky season um today's episode i'm going to be doing two cold cases and they are pretty short shirt hmm? what short um which is perfect for a mini pod um so just stick around grab a snack and we will jump right into it now the exact title of this subreddit post is 34 year old cold case disappearance of sandra bertolis are the answers obvious now personally i've read this through a couple times and to answer the question that is in the title i think it's very obvious and you can make your own assumptions a lot of people have their own theories but i think it's safe to say the majority are on the same side Um, which you can figure out yourself at the end of this story. Sandra was 20 years old at the time of her disappearance, which was on April 24th, 1988. She was going to community college and she also worked at Cost Cutters as a beautician. And I'm assuming Cost Cutters is the name of the store she worked at. Sandra's family also stated that she was actually pregnant at the time of her disappearance. The story starts when Sandra left her home in Menominee Falls, Wisconsin to meet up with her boyfriend at the time. And this person who created the post was able to locate a name, um, but the individual was never identified. It was never confirmed who he was, what his actual name was. Um, So in the story, he's going to be nameless and just referred to as Sandra's boyfriend. The family had told and reported at the time that Sandra originally left. The reason why she was going to see her boyfriend was to confront him because I don't know if she was told these things or she actually found out herself, Um, but there have been reports that he was lying to her and, you know, basically cheating on her the whole time and had a whole other relationship and he might have even lied about his name and where he lived already very 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 suspicious sandra's car was found about three days after she was last seen um which was on april 27th and it was found in the parking lot of red carpet lanes bowling which was in west alice about 30 minutes from Menominee Falls, heading into Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Her boyfriend was reported to have worked as a Milwaukee paramedic EMT at the time, um, and he was actually training to be a firefighter. And it was also reported that at the time of her disappearance, her boyfriend 
had an alibi who he said was his girlfriend, which may or may have not been the same woman that Sandra was going to confront him about. Now, the weird part about this is that the day that she disappeared, he was supposed to work from 4 p.m. to 12 a.m. He had a 4 to 12 shift, but called in sick. He also said that he was totally unaware that she was pregnant, had no idea, but her family says otherwise and that he was definitely aware at the time and knew that she was pregnant. The boyfriend was interviewed at the time of her disappearance and actually contacted the police department to do a second interview after reportedly remembering additional details, whatever that means, But later on, weird enough, his lawyer called the police department again to cancel the interview and the polygraph and stated that they would no longer be speaking to the police anymore. During the course of the investigation, um, someone called in to tip the police. um, And in June of 1988, they were led to Mount Olivet Cemetery. Um, And that was located in Milwaukee as well. And it was about 10 minutes from the bowling place that her car was found in. The police brought cadaver dogs and they saw a plot of land that an open grave was being dug um, just prior to her disappearance. But it was filled with a planned burial right after that. Um, There's a Facebook group that's like, dedicated to solving her case and all about it. Um, And I guess there was a post made that the cadaver dogs did pick up her scent, um, but there was no official report that actually confirms that they did. It is interesting, though, because the father of Sandra's boyfriend also worked at the cemetery as a caretaker and... Odd enough, her boyfriend had worked at the cemetery previously. Sandra's sister also reported finding a napkin in her bedroom that had this cemetery address written on it. According to the Facebook group, um, someone had made a post that there is additional information that that the police know but have not released. And... It points to another suspect who has been interviewed multiple times as recently as 2019. And like I said, this case started in 1988. The same member also reported in her post that she was interviewed as recently as six months prior to that post. But again, no confirmation. So this is as much information that this person could find coming from the Facebook group And 34 years later, her family, they're still searching for answers and closure, and they continue to try to figure out what happened, and they apparently put in an FOIA request to their local department for information on the case, um, and they were denied. Her family were interviewed in 2015, and they don't believe that they'll find Sandra alive if they find her and they really just want answers and their goal at the end of the day is to lay her to rest next to her father who unfortunately passed away in 2010. There are 
post by Sandra's family that are claiming that the police are either keeping their cards close to their chest or have completely abandoned this cold case. So they assume that the police are withholding information from them. That could be because maybe they don't have any real confirmation. Um, but regardless, they have not had anything new, which makes this an unresolved cold case. So this next case is titled Madison Scott vanished from her campsite in British Columbia after a party in 2011. She was a young woman who went missing from the west coast of Canada and her full name is Madison Geraldine Scott. She was born on April 29th in 1991 and her nickname is Maddie. She is 5'4 and around 165 pounds She's described to be free-spirited, loyal, hilarious, and kind. She is a natural redhead, has green eyes, and loves spending time with her friends and taking photographs. She was very athletic, and she played all kinds of sports from hockey, softball, dirt biking, etc. And she actually had a bird silhouette tattoo on the inside of her left wrist, as well as her ears and nose pierced. She was working at MGM Logging or Lodging with her father while he trained her to become a mechanic and she had a pretty big friend group and since she was very outgoing, um, it was no doubt that she was involved in quite a few activities around the community. She lived in Vanderhoof, British Columbia, which is the heart of the province, and it was home to around 4,500 people with a surrounding population of around 10,000. Unfortunately, the highway known as the, quote, Highway of Tears runs straight through Vanderhoof. And if you haven't heard of the highway before, it's the portion of Highway 16 that runs between Prince Rupert and Prince George, where... Apparently, young women have been murdered or gone missing from since 1970. The weekend after Victoria Day in 2011, Madison's friend was holding their birthday party on May 27th at the Hogsback Lake Camping Ground. It's about 20-25 minutes from her hometown, and Madison and her friend Jordy at the time had decided to go together. They decided this because they wanted to camp there for the night so that way they can drink a little bit and not have to worry about driving home. Now, something I want to add is this person says that it's their best friend, um, but it was confirmed by Mad Maddie's mom that they had they have like never hung out until that weekend and they hadn't seen each other for two years before that, which is already a little odd. I mean, for me, if I was friends with someone and I hadn't hung out with them at all for two years and randomly were going to the same party and I don't know who suggested, but like going to the party together, I don't know. I would think that was really weird, especially if the other girl had suggested to go together. Anyways, um, it was a very casual party, so just regular t-shirt and jeans, um, and when they got there on Friday night, they ended up setting up their camp spot and began enjoying their night. The party invite was actually posted on Facebook, so there was about 45 people uh, reported to be there, and some were unknown to Madison and her friends, so some of them were complete strangers, 
And at one point during the party, Madison went into her tent and spent the rest of the night there. Jordy decided that she was going to return home that night, and her reasoning behind it was a little odd because at first she said that she fell into the campfire, and then she said it was because she was too drunk, um, which is why she was supposed to stay there in the first place was so that way they didn't have to worry about going back home. She said there was only about five people left by the time the party was coming to an end around, I guess, 12 a.m., and she asked Maddie to come with her, but Maddie said she couldn't leave all of her things and asked if Jordy could stay, but she ended up leaving with some guy around um, 2.30 in the morning, and the last person at the party was reported to have left at 4 a.m., leaving Madison completely by herself, but she was last seen around 3 a.m. Um, a disclaimer, this person has made that apparently Maddie was at the party from around 10 to 12 a.m. or 10 p.m. to 12 a.m. And at midnight, apparently everyone started heading out or settling into their tents. The next morning, Jordy said that she returned around 8.30 a.m. to get her things that she left there at the camp. And she saw that Maddie's tent was still set up. It was still there. However, the door was still open and all her things were kind of just spread to the side. But she didn't wait around or go looking for her before um, she left because she was heading back to work. And then other people that attended the party also came back to clean up around 10.30 a.m., but no one claimed to see Maddie anywhere. Later on that night, um, Hogsback Lake had another party, party there, um, but this time it was like 150 people that attended, but none of them saw Maddie only her tent and her white 1994 F-150 was still there. On Sunday, when Madison didn't return home, her parents went to search for her, and when they didn't find her, they called the police to report her missing. They began an air and ground search, as well as bringing in canines and dive teams to search the surrounding bodies of water, and over 150 people showed up to assist in the search for Maddie. However, they never found her. They repeated these searches multiple times, and her iPhone and her black lanyard that had her car and house keys are still missing as well. Madison's family created a website for her, which is madisonscott.ca, where people make donations and get more information about her disappearance. Um, and people still go through that area and walk there, ride ATVs or go by horseback, and they have even offered $100,000 for information that could bring Madison back home. A lot of people in this discussion, their theory is that foul play must have been involved, which I feel like is probably a pretty common theory. Another theory that people have is it's pretty easy to get lost up there. Um, and considering she was drinking and it was literally in the middle of the night, it was probably really dark out. Um, she might have gotten lost trying to find her tent or maybe she like I don't I'm not sure what this campground looks like. I don't know if she was looking for the restroom or whatever, but she could have easily got lost in the wilderness and was never able to find her way back home. I feel like that is a plausible theory, but. Considering they had a whole search party, I feel like they would have found her during their search for her um, because realistically, I don't really know how far you could get in the middle of the night and then you're drunk. Um, I have no idea. And they had 
you know, helicopters looking for her too. On top of that, I still think the whole Jordy thing with her friend is still very odd, like I've stated before. And she went back to the campground to get her stuff, which I don't know. I, I wish I had more details, really, um, which is probably everyone who's involved in the case thinking the same thing as me. But it is odd that she went there and then saw her tent with her door open and her stuff I think outside to the side of her tent and like not bothering to call out for her and not bothering to look for her quote friend. I think it's all very suspicious and, you know, just leaving with some random guy after already planning to stay there and then just being like, okay, I'm going home. Um, probably after pitching the idea and say you know hey hey mads like let's let's stay at the the camp and then we can drink and hang out or whatever and then like she's the one who ends up leaving i don't know both stories are very suspicious and i feel like i mean it's hard to tell i mean anything really could happen um but kind of sucks that they are unresolved and hopefully there will be information soon enough for the families to get closure. And if there is any information that you guys think I should know or should have mentioned in the podcast, definitely send us a message on Instagram, comment on a post, comment on our TikToks, um, and I will definitely be on the lookout for that. But in other news, um, that is the end of today's mini pod. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I really like listening to cold cases and trying to see if I can pick up something that someone else didn't, but clearly my mind works the same as everyone else. Um, we have one more episode releasing on Halloween for the end of Spooktober. Um, so thank you guys for listening and I still don't have an official outro, but thank you guys for watching. Good night or for listening, not watching. Good night. Good morning. Good evening, wherever you guys in the world. And I will see you guys in the next pod. Bye.